This is Limit Up, the place where we explore markets, strategies, and trading psychology to take your trading to the next level. Hey, traders, this is Eddie Horn from Top Step, and this is Limit Up. This is where we talk with traders, market participants, and trading psychologists to help you improve your trading. I'm joined today by Dan Hodgman, our market analyst. Danny, how you doing? Eddie, I'm good. How about yourself? Pretty good. Uh, you know, Dan, I invited you here uh, because this next podcast is with Michael Leidick. And honestly, I think you're going to enjoy this interview. I had a great time talking with him and sort of picking his brain and asking him questions. This man is the epitome of what you call student of the market and excellent educator to the traders he knows and helps. And bottom line, simply a fun and entertaining guy to listen to. Awesome, Eddie. I'm really excited to check this out. Yeah, Danny, Michael Leidick uh, has a great story on how a bad trade almost ended his career in the world of trading. Now, I got to say that his determination and creative thinking uh, got him back on his feet to uh, trade successfully. And the thing is, too, what he did correctly is he never looked back. You know, that's just amazing hearing that. So many times we hear stories about traders that lose it all and uh, that one trade knocked him out. But being able to overcome those failures says so much about a trader. It's cool. Cool stuff. So, all right, Danny, let's wait no longer. This is my conversation with Michael Leidick. Michael Leidick, founder of BackToTheFutureTrading.com. Michael, very nice to have you here. And thanks for... Uh, taking some time out to answer a few questions. No, it's great to be here, Ed. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Now, Michael, before we start, I, I know that you've got a great story to share with us. Uh, just to get us into the moment before we start uh, hitting the questions, give us a little bio on how you started the business and uh, what transpired to get you where you are right now. Ooh, uh that's a long story and not one I like to talk about. Uh, it's, it involves almost losing uh, everything, my best friend, uh, my family, <laughs> my house. But it was, uh, I would say, 12 or 13 years ago, I was the VP of business development for an engineering company back in New York. I was out in the field, and one of our customers he was kind of off. You ever know one of those people where they're just fun to know because they're always into something new and there's a new story. And if you just let a couple of days or weeks go by, you know, if you have lunch with them, it's going to be a really entertaining time. Uh, I stopped in to see that guy. And in hindsight, I'm not sure, you know, they always ask if you could go back and do it again, would you change anything? That particular day was the day that set all of this in motion. And I went back into the factory. I helped him with some installation and some training on the machinery he'd purchased. And as we were walking by uh, one door in the very back of the factory, I saw uh, a younger gentleman with a computer in a brick room and some charts up on his screen. And like a jerk, I asked the question and I said, well, what's he doing in there? Because the charts didn't belong in a, uh, an industrial building like that. And he said, oh, you, you wouldn't be interested in that. So no, what is it? And he brought me back there, and uh, I met the guy. He had gone to a trading school in Georgia. The owner of the factory had paid for him to, quote, learn how to trade. 
He had the E-mini S&P up, and he was trading 38% Fibonacci retracements. And he might as well have been speaking Klingon to me. I didn't know what any of those things meant. Fibo, who's he? You know, what's 38%? Well, I don't What is trading? How does that work? I don't understand. He kind of gave me this wry look and said, well, you should go home and Google it. And I made the mistake of listening to him. I went home. I Googled Fibonacci. I understood what he was trying to communicate, or at least I thought. And then I started looking at uh, trading accounts and SIM accounts and this platform and that platform. And it was this snowball that cascaded and became, you know, like that cartoon snowball where it finally envelops the character and falls off a cliff. I was obsessed. And to me, it was a no brainer. Hey, I do engineering. My screens look like these charts. This is all math and logic. How hard could it be? That seems to be the question that older Michael could easily answer if younger Michael had asked it um, realistically. So flash forward, my best friend took out a home equity loan on his house. I had done some learning, some book learning, went to a couple webinars, thought I was an expert on everything. And we actually developed a system. It was one trade a day right around midnight Eastern. And it was 94% accurate over the last several months. So you placed a, a one con, a one lot trade at a very specific time. And then if it got uh, against you, I think it was two points you averaged in. And then if it hit your final stop, you were out. Otherwise, you took like a point and a half or two points out. It was a scalp. Right. Now, Michael, so was, Michael let yeah. me ask you, how well did that work and for how long? It worked really – we took a $15,000 account to $50,000 in about three months. So nice. we increased our lot size. I And even then, it was fascinating looking back. I was really good at developing the tools, and my partner had the trading personality. He was sort of Spock to my Captain Kirk. I could say, look, here's what the numbers say. Um, I don't particularly enjoy pushing the button. My heart starts racing. My my breathing increases. It's not something I enjoy. He said, "No problem. I I can do that. It's it's not a big deal to me. I don't get emotional." So, so 50, yeah, we almost we tripled the account in three months. All right. So the light at the end of the tunnel. It was shining very bright. Oh my um, god! Calling your name. Uh, and what was your thoughts? Is this uh, a career changing moment here? I. I had been using Microsoft Outlook to stay organized, and I had made an appointment on my calendar. I think I can see Microsoft text in my head when I can see the little square where I had typed, uh, call boss to quit job. And it was about two weeks out, uh, maybe two or three weeks towards the end of the month. I was ready to jump ship and do this full time. I, I didn't see any reason why that was a bad idea. It was a Tuesday, kind of like uh, yesterday when I think back on it. And I woke up, and this was around, this was just around 2008 when the volatility started coming in, uh, right before the insane move. So the ES, if you're, you know, traders will tell you when the ES moved six or seven points, it was a big day. It was moving 10, 20, 30 points. And uh, I called my partner and I said, hey, how are we doing? How the trade work last night? And he said, well, we're down a little bit in it. And uh, I averaged in. Okay. 
well, did it hit the stop? He goes, yeah, but I feel like it's coming back up, and uh, I averaged in again. And that's when you get that little sick feeling in your stomach. And so there's two of us involved, right? I, I'm involved with making the tools and developing the systems, and it's his job to push the button. He's the guy in the silo with the key. Uh, and remember, it was his home equity loan that funded the account. So I said, well, how much are we down? He said, well, we're down about $2,000. Well, okay, on a 50K account. Well, 2000 turned into 4000 Called him back later in the afternoon. The market had no floor. It was, it was like someone had tied a boat to the bottom of it, and it was just falling under the weight of this boat. I said, hey, man, we, well, let's just you know, stop fooling around. Let's call it. I'm I'm out. Stop. Because I and I, I'll never forget these words. And it wasn't his fault at the time. We just didn't know what we didn't know. He said, "I can't take a four thousand dollar hit." Now remember, fifteen k to fifty thousand, ninety days. I can't take a four k hit. Well, four k turned into eight k. Eight k turned into sixteen k. We maxed out the number of contracts we could trade. The market did not go back up. He was waiting for all I need is a small retracement, Ed. All I need is a small retracement. Kept falling. 36 hours later, there's a phone call from the broker. If you don't close the account, you won't have enough money to trade one contract. And we had taken the account from 50K to 5K. Uh, I didn't call him for permission. In hindsight, I probably should have because he didn't appreciate it when I logged on and hit the close button and watched uh, $45,000 and all my hopes and dreams disappear in uh, one transaction. There was a lot of hopium going on right there. <laughs> it's one heavy lesson to learn. It's, a, it's the major life wake-up call. Now, I'm really sorry you experienced such a breakdown you know, looking for that new opportunity in your career, but it looks like it's come full circle. And you got yourself back on your feet, which a lot of people, that's probably one of the hardest learning curves is, is to get yourself back up, dust yourself off, and look forward. And um, well, right now, being an affiliate here with us at Top Step Trader, you're understanding the markets better than ever. You know, you look back and you say, would you do it all again? It wasn't all roses and unicorns and rainbows from point A to current day. One of the things that I really underestimated was how trading brings you face-to-face -face with who you are. So if you're timid, you're petrified. If you're braggadocious and you got a lot of machismo, you're Arnold Schwarzenegger. If you're greedy, you become Scrooge McDuck. Trading is sort of this almost Buddhist Zen amplification of the worst parts of your personality, never the best parts. And so while I can say I learned a lot, those lessons, and your listeners will probably agree, they, they come at a high cost, more so than anything else I've ever tried to learn or experience. But uh, I am grateful for those moments, but at the time I, I wasn't grateful. You know, with any career that has such a high risk, if you don't experience the worst of the worst without killing yourself, it's a fantastic educational gain. 
just getting educated on the trading floor. You know, there, there was no time for, you know, let's have a class. Let's look at a chart. You know, let's do this. Let's practice this. It was get in there, get it done. This is what you got to do. If you can't do it, there's somebody right behind you. Most, well, I'm going to say all brokers, all brokers had an error account because it was, it's going to happen. It's, it's part of the business. It's part of the business. And one of the things that I learned on the trading floor is, uh, and this was working with First Chicago, was that if there's an error, get out of it right away. If there's an error uh, or if there's a losing trade to a certain point, get out of it. Get out of it. Uh, call the customer up. Let him know where he is. Let him know. It was it was just reaction. There was no thinking uh, mm -hmm. because the the thinking was already done. Th this is the answer. You know, there, you don't need to question anything. The solution has has a fix, and this is what you need to do. And I think if a lot of people in uh, trading electronically figured that out and actually faithfully follow that, you know, have the questions answered already, it's going to help a lot of people move much further uh, in the trading business. Now, Michael, you spoke to many traders over the past 10 years. That's right. What are the biggest challenges these traders face? Oh, wow. There's many, but if you distilled it down to the top three or four, I think the the one biggest challenge that the customers we've dealt with face, the, the new traders especially, is an unrealistic expectation of the time involved from point zero to success. So after I, I talk to probably about a thousand guys a year, ladies a year looking for tools and help. And there's some commonalities that I've been able to extrude from those experiences. For example, um, when you ask the people who are net profitable, how long it took them to go from losing to net profitable break even, the answer, the middle of the meaty part of the bell curve is always the same. 80% of people will say it took them three to five years for that moment where they knew I can wake up and day after day, week after week, make a living earning money from the markets. And a lot of the new traders that I speak to, they come with this expectation, Ned, that I'm going to do it in six weeks. I'm going to do it in six months. I'm going to do it, you know, in a couple weeks. And I've, I've got what it takes. Those other people didn't have what it takes. I came across a quote from uh, a trader, W.D. Gann. And Gann said uh, something to the effect of doctors go to school for four years or eight years and lawyers go to school for eight years or 12 years. And he said, I'm paraphrasing, but people with money in their pockets, because they have money, think they are ipso facto traders. Just that possession of capital somehow convinces people all I have to do is sit down and do this. And so I guess the number one thing would be a an inaccurate representation of how long it's going to take. And so people come undercapitalized, they quit their jobs. Uh, I knew one trader, he was a successful contractor on the West Coast. He sold all of his heavy equipment, his bulldozers, mm -hmm. his hilos, and he locked right. himself in a room. And he stayed in a room 20 hours a day for almost eight weeks. Not healthy. Convinced. No, no, it's not good. So it brings you to that very dark place. I think, yeah, the number two thing would be Trading in many ways in terms of an industry has a, a very wild west je ne sais quoi. So you've got a veritable endless choice of avenues to go down to look for educators and people to assist you. And one of the things that I didn't anticipate and a lot of people didn't anticipate was 
there are a bunch of good players out there, right? And a lot and Top Step has found a lot of them and brought them into the affiliate fold. But for every one of those guys, there's three or four of them out there just selling shovels to the gold miners uh, along the way and sorting out in hindsight what was good information versus what was just somebody trying to get some money out of you. There's a minefield of bad educators that are just waiting for those people. And then I think number three, just understanding that the markets aren't fair. You know, there was an article in the news the other day, Reuters reported there are 16 banks being charged with market manipulation with currencies. So you have this kind of Pollyanna view that every other industry I've been in, these are the rules that I follow and we're all playing by the rules. And then when you come to the markets, you start to hear things like stop runs. Well, what's a stop run? You know, you hear dark pools, high frequency trading, insider trading, all these things where the players never get prosecuted or punished for those behaviors. So you realize that it's it's going to take a lot more work because the rules aren't published in a book somewhere. Now, the thing is, you mentioned those things. And I'm glad that also you mentioned about educators and education. And it's just a matter of what works for you. One educator, one psychologist might not work for somebody. Uh, somebody else, it might work great for. All right, and I've I've always said this: take as much as you can, use what works. Now, Michael, you mentioned net profitable traders. Now, everybody wants to be a profitable trader. Mm-hmm. What are some of the common traits that profitable traders share? Yeah, so these these net profitable traders, they're scarred. They're they're kind of like every Al Capone movie you've ever seen where they're kind of hardened. They've seen all the webinars. They've been to every one of the events. They've they've been to that dark place that we talked about earlier. Uh, Some of them, you know, several times. But when you when you talk to them, there's a there's a commonality. And one of the reasons why I enjoy developing uh, for traders is because there's a reciprocity. So, Ed, I'll, I'll share the tools and the insights we have, and those guys will turn around and share what they've learned in terms of psychology and money management. And all of them seem to say the same thing. About 60% of them are trend followers. They're trading pullbacks in the overall direction of the trending market, and they define it you know, a number of different ways. But most of those people are getting into a trade where the market has an established direction and they're waiting for lower risk pullbacks. Number two, the thing that they all say involves some measure of an awareness of the statistics of their model. So when you talk to a new trader, he thinks he's going to sit down. Ten out of ten trades are going to be net profitable. Maybe he'll have one loser. When you talk to a, a net profitable veteran trader, they'll say things to the effect of, Michael, my model has a 46% expectancy. It has a profit factor of 1.43%. My max average drawdown is $2,200. They live in a statistical environment. Do you think that a lot of new traders are just sort of walking into the industry, not really doing the research? Again, this kind of speaks back to the Wild West nature of it. Right now, I have an 18, 19-year-old son, and he wants to be involved with alternative energy. I can go online, and I can send him to a community college, a state college, and there's a four-year program for that where when he's done, he's going to walk out, someone will hand him a solar panel, and he knows what to do with it. New traders don't know what they don't know. There's sort of this, I I call it the death spiral. 
they they come in and the worst thing that can happen is they take a trade, they make $1,100, they're Superman, right? They're on fire. They can't do anything wrong. And then they start to lose a little bit. They get paralyzed. Then they start to double down, average in. They get down to about a third of their account lost. Now they're trading two and three lots, trying to make it back real quick. They get down to about halfway. Now they're trading way too many contracts looking for a Hail Mary trade because if they tell their wife that they lost, you know, 10 of the $20,000, the poop's going to hit the fan. And it's, it's, a, it's the same cycle over and over and over again. You can almost smell it when someone's talking to you on the phone. We talked about all the different webinars and techniques, and you mentioned that all those things that you can learn. I think if everyone was handed a sheet that said, look, this is about statistics and managing risk. And if people had that tattooed for their on their hands, I have one customer, he's got a yellow post, yellow post it note, it says PPC on it. And I asked him, what does that mean? He said, preserve precious capital. This idea of getting in trades that work, letting those trades that work go to fruition, hit their targets. And when they're not working, like you said earlier, taking that loss. Like my partner, when he said, I can't take a $4,000 loss. Sure you can. People every day take a $4,000 loss. The market is right. doing, it's yeah. doing something today that it's never done before. And again, the net profitable traders will say, not trading on certain days is the same as making money because I'm not losing money. They're mathematicians. They're statisticians. They understand the, the probabilities as opposed to this sort of John Wayne, I'm going to brute force success out of the markets. And when you have that attitude, it's just a matter of days or weeks before all the money's gone. You know, sometimes it's too late. And before you know it, you're closing your account. You're wondering, uh, you're second guessing yourself, which in this industry, if you can't do your homework, build your trust. I mean, the thing is, you're the boss. You're the, you're the CEO. All right. This is your company uh, as I'm talking your account, your training account. Right. This is something exactly. that, you know, you're the person behind the register. You're the person uh, making the designs. You're the person sweeping up the floor. You're pushing all the buttons. A lot of people, oh, the market, the market, they, it knows what I want to do. Actually, it, you should know what the market wants to do. The market <laughs> doesn't give a, uh, a rat's ass of, you know, you're putting your five lot on here or, uh, you, know, you know, I'm selling three right now. That's what you have to adjust. It's, it's called that, the, what do we call it? Adapt, adapt or die. Right. Richard, Richard Wyckoff, who, uh, who was the editor of Ticker and Investment Digest, he said that the market is constantly presenting new opportunities and you have to remain open to the next opportunity. And again, that all ties back to this idea of statistics. If you know that your, your model is 46% profitable, you know that you're going to lose 50, 54% of the time. And so you're not sitting there, you know, ham fisting trades trying to make it work. You're kind of falling back into right. the math of it. and you're, you're cutting those losers short and waiting for the four and a half out of 10 that are going to work. The, the newer traders, like you said, it's, it's this endless opportunity, boundless uh, system. And I would say, Eddie, probably about 80% of people that I meet that are coming into it, they have no trading plan. Where any other business, you, you went to a bank for a loan, they would say, all right, what are you going to do? How are you going to do it? What are you going to charge? What are your costs? Yeah. Traders, they, they have nothing on a piece of paper that says, I'm trading the ES on a five-minute chart with a 50-period moving average. When it closes above the MA, I'm long with a stop below the candle. And a lot of that, 
they've learned in webinars from guys that you know they're showing them pictures of Lamborghinis and a house on the beach and a trophy wife and oh, they're sure. I mean, yeah. Can, can they you think can, that's possible? Can you blame them? Can you blame them? The thing no, is, that was I was that guy. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And the, and the thing is, yeah, I want that. Now, you know, I wish people coming into the business had close friends. You know, you had a friend that turned sour, but it turned you into a better person in this industry. Now, I wish there was a question air where you had to have the right answers before you got into something like this. I want to say, being in the business over 30 years, I grew to love it. I grew to really right. immerse myself into it. First time I got on the trading floor, I was in awe. It was the, it was my shock and awe. Uh, you know, wow, it was like a whole big city. This is something different. And, you know, just knowing that, uh, you know, well, there's millionaires here. Huh? I don't know how many million? There's a lot of, mil you know, a lot yeah, of look money. Look at that going. guy over there. He's, he's richer. Yo, look at that guy over there. Oh, look yeah. at that. He's got a nice watch. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's what sucked me in. But, but like I said, I, I, I made the right decision. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the uh, challenge, the competitiveness, it, you know, the, the high stakes. I enjoyed the. Uh, I'm going to say, uh, you know, open outcry is sports atmosphere where you had to be competitive. Ah, uh, uh, I can see that. You know, coming to electronic. Now, electronic right now, we've got all this information in front of us. And, uh, you know, we were talking uh, before the interview here about being gamers, uh, you know, uh, gamify. You've got to think of the game as, you know, I don't have 10 lives. I've got one life. And, uh, you know, if I get if I get eliminated in the game by a uh, competitor, my game is over. All right. Now, if you are uh, up and coming and you're trading and you like you, you've got the gamification running through your blood, what would you think if I just said if you were to play Call of Duty and I said, okay, you've got one life that is all. Once you die, you got to buy the game again. You got to pay the 50, 60 bucks and buy the game again. How would you think about playing that game? All right. Now, see, a lot of people coming into the business don't realize that that's just about where we are. You know, that money that you're going to be putting down, that uh, whatever you oh, do. Oh, no, it's, I think it's even worse. If you, if you put leverage in there, if you're trading without stops and you're operating without leverage, you could lose $100 because you got the cost of the game plus the leverage. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, I mean, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of traders still out there that don't realize that they need to start really thinking. I'm, I'm going to bring it back to my, hey, this is your company. If you did own a storefront, how much time and effort would you put in to make sure that you'd have a successful business? That's what I think uh, is going to translate. Now, Michael, this sort of brings us to the question, why do traders fail? What's your take on traders that do fail? Give me your top three. I think, first of all, it's important to, we can't vilify or demonize failure. It's not the act of failing, Ed. I think it's what people do with failure. So in, in any business, you know, when we were developing machinery, uh, there was one, one of the last machines I developed for the company I was working for in New York. It had 5,000 parts. And it had a fairly complex sequence of take the material, cut it to a certain distance, move it here, put it there, fold it. And at every one of those steps, it was almost a guaranteed failure. 
you, you, the whole machine would stop, a little error code would blink. All right, well, what do we do now? And I think if you go into it understanding that failure is a part of the learning process, you're much better off. It's what you do with the failure. If you repeat the same mistakes, meaning we call it system hopping, uh, in the era of electronic trading, you can have 10 vendors that have net profitable styles or systems or trading systems or algorithms, and a trader will get in, and on the first sign of a drawdown, Ed, they, they close the software, they go out and buy another program, and then they trade that system for three months until the first drawdown, and then they close that system, and they'll do that over and over and over and over again. And so if you're trading and failing and repeating the same mistakes, that's, that's a red flag. But if you're failing and saying, what did I do wrong? How could I have avoided that? What was it about that trade or that sequence of trades that led to this moment? Then you're starting to think like that very small group of people that I told you about earlier, the net profitable people. They're always learning from their mistakes. And the markets are, it's like a Rubik's Cube with an infinite number of solving possibilities. That's what attracts so many people to it. So it's what you do with the failure that counts. If you go into it expecting that you're going to fail, I think you'll have a healthier mindset as opposed to going into it thinking, I can't lose. Oh, yeah. Now you're that, you're that guy in Las Vegas with 10 grand in his pocket and he's feeling lucky, right? It's, it's gone. They see you coming through the front door. Here's your complimentary drink and buffet. We'll take your 10K. Thank you very much. Oh, sure. Yeah. No, no sympathy whatsoever. Yeah. Number two, I think a lot of it comes from there's an interdisciplinary hubris. I was uh, a great doctor. I'm a good radiologist. I've met people in every walk of life at the highest tiers of professional aptitude. They're cancer doctors. They're fighter pilots, A-10 warthog fighter pilots, one guy I remember. And they think, I was really good at this other thing. Therefore, I must be, by default, able to overcome the challenges of trading and be really good at it. And they think any of those skills will translate over. And some of the most successful people I've ever met were ordinary, average, you know, you wouldn't look at them and say, wow, that's amazing. One customer, when we first started out, uh, her name was Dawn. She was a horse farmer on the West Coast. Her husband had passed away. She was living off of his insurance money. She wanted to replenish the account because she felt like she was just letting it dwindle. And so it took her three or four years, and she traded the E-mini S&P for a $2 uh, profit target every day. And she took her one trade a day, and then she'd walk outside and feed her horses. And after a while, she was trading 10 lots. That lady had more going into it because she approached it cautiously. She understood it was going to take time versus the guy who was, uh, he owned 10 dry cleaning stores and he thought, well, oh, I could do that. I can do this too. So coming into it with a hubris that I was really good at this, therefore I will be good at that and not understanding the dangers that are involved. Right. The third group of people, you can almost tell just by talking to them. Uh, I met one guy, he said, I just got laid off I have three kids in college, and I need to make $1,800 a week to cover my expenses and the college fund. And I told him straight out, no, don't trade. Do not trade. Spend all of your time and effort looking for a second job. Go. Get out. The people that put themselves under pressure to perform, and they don't have that backdoor exit of a second game plan. I've told people, and even if you don't listen to me, please get a night job. Go to Home Depot. Go to Lowe's work at a retail outlet, 
So you know you have money coming in. This third group of people that put pressure on themselves because of a life event, that Hail Mary pass of trading, 99.9% of the time, I've never seen anybody get it over the goalpost. And so if, if people are experiencing that, they need to understand that they've put themselves in a position of self-sabotage and it's going to fail. The successful trader is the one who does build off of failure, but doesn't let failure take over. And that's something that is going to get you by, whether you like it or not. Now, let's flip the burger here, Michael. Yeah. And uh, let's talk about aspiring traders, improving right. their odds of success. What do these traders uh, have to do? One single thing. The one thing traders can do, there's actually an exercise that I learned. A customer said that it was something developed by a gentleman named Van Tharp. And it was uh, an exercise based on statistics. So here's a quick game that every trader can play that will set them on the right mental course. So you get a brown lunch bag, right? Go down to your local uh, supermarket and you buy a bag of white beans, dried beans. Uh, take 100 of them, count them out, mark uh, 50 of them with a Sharpie, and leave the other 50 beans completely blank. Um, then I want you to open up an Excel spreadsheet on your computer. If you don't have a copy of Excel, there's a, a bunch of open source. Apache OpenOffice has a free Excel version. And reach in that bag. And Ed, every time you pull out an unmarked bean, I want you to put in a $100 value in a column. And every time you pull out a marked bean, I want you to put minus $50 in the same column. So uh, an unmarked bean is a winner, $100, and then a marked bean is a loser. And you can play with the risk reward. So say, for example, a trend model is 45% profitable. Make the unmarked 40 beans $200 make the marked beans uh, minus $50. And as you're pulling out those beans, you're understanding how random the markets can be. And that bag of beans represents your trading system. And what people have learned from that exercise is as they're filling in those columns with those plus 200, minus 50, minus 50, minus 50, plus 200, plus 200, minus 50, minus 50, minus 50, minus 50, minus 50, they're building a database of what trading is like without ever risking a dollar in the live market. So that Van Tharp test, that bag of beans test, I paid my kids one day to do it for me 500 times and put the values in so I could use it as a demonstration tool. And I saw at the end of it, the equity curve was net positive. It had to be. Over time, it had to make money. And traders learn that there are three phases of an equity curve. There's the growth phase, which we love, the plateau phase, which is hard to get through when the model goes up, down, up, down, up, down, and then the drawdown phase. But when you're going through that sort of a statistical exercise, a bag of beans or a bag of rice or however you want to do it, marbles, it puts you in the mindset of, I will execute my trade consistently. I will focus on the perfect execution of that as opposed to knowing what the market will do. You have no idea what the market will do. The only control you have is over the risk, the entry, and the exit. And so that kind of an exercise with a stupid lunch sack can really put people on a course that will make everything line up for them over time. Sure. It kicks it into reality. This is probability. Understand what that actually and really is. With the odds of success in your favor and knowing this, somebody who just opened up their first account, 
<laughs> okay, that's a great question. Okay. Um, the very first thing I would tell that person, and I wish I'd have told myself back before that day of which we don't speak, take half of the money and put it in a CD or a savings account that you can't touch for six months. So whatever amount of money you've set aside for trading, take half of it and like a Dr. Phil, Dr. Oz, you know, take that credit card and freeze it in the freezer for an emergency. <laughs> There's a stat that I've, I've spoken to all different brokerages over the years, and they all say the same thing. Most traders, 90% of traders lose 90% of their amount in 90 days or less, that 90 rule. And so there's a 90% chance that your money's going to be gone in three months. So taking half of that, again, this is about risk management, right? If you know those are your Forrest Gump odds coming in, you know you're going to be bad at it, but you know that you've got to do it to learn. Take half of that money and put it somewhere where it's sitting. So in the event of an account blowout like we had, you survive to play the game. It's CBS Survivor. It's surviving to that next vote, to that next market condition. You may that these guys might start trading in a horrible market consolidation phase with a trend trading model. You know, Trump is on TV and there's a scandal and he's flying away in a helicopter and what's going on and the market's going up and down. Now you've got 1,500 left in the account. You're done. And the day after, of course, the markets start to trend and you go, oh. If I had money, I'd, I'd have made it all back and then some. So understanding the risk, taking half of what you've set aside, putting it there, knowing that you're going to suck when you first start and you're going to survive if you come back and you have that second half to come back to. That's something very smart to think about. But when you've got all that money in your pocket and you're in the toy aisle <laughs> and you see the toy and then the other toy that you want, you, you want to spend it all. Yeah, you asked me earlier about what the professional traders had in common. I pick people's brains. I want to know how everything works. I'm that kid who took the toaster apart and the washing machine apart and the toy car apart. I want to know how it works. So when someone comes along and says, I'm doing it, I'll chew their ear off. And across 10 years, and there's probably about 1,500, 2,000 customers that I've spoken to that are making money, they'll all say the same thing. They'll say, Michael, I've lost twenty-five to fifty thousand dollars in blown accounts. I've blown my account out somewhere between one to three times. And then the other half of that, I've spent thirty to fifty thousand dollars on trading indicators and educators. So of the pros that I've spoken to, it seems like you can't escape the gravity of the investment, which is you're gonna spend between twenty and fifty thousand dollars on par with a four-year education at a local state school to learn how to do this successfully. And so a, a new trader coming into that, I would sort of set that realistic expectation of you don't have to go down that road. As long as you remember, you're probably going to blow that first count out. So don't put all your eggs in that one basket when you start. You can, you can get a shiny toy or two, but understand that you're going to probably have six or seven more before you go, oh, and it all right. clicks. You know, Michael, I mean, the thing is, there are options to learn correctly. And a lot of up-and-coming traders put themselves through classes and so forth. But it's how you apply it to your mentality. I think the mentality and thought process of a trader is just so much more important than looking at a Fibonacci, looking at a candlestick chart, looking at, uh, you know, uh, the 30-day calendar. It's what we learn, how we process it, 
and how we apply it to each and every trade. And I, I do see a lot of traders falling off the horse. But the thing is getting back on again and knowing how to get back on when need be. And then you see them sort of coming out of the clear. It's, it's a great thing to see that because you know that they've got the passion, the desire, and they want it bad. A lot of traders just sort of kick back and let's try to double that now, you know, and then we get the greed that comes in, uh, greed yep. that starts coming into the market. And that's where you, you, that's where you see a lot of failure. Now, Michael, you've talked to many of traders. You've went through a long journey to get to where you are, and I give you a lot of credit here. On the way, was there any books or videos you've come across that uh -huh. sort of shed light like no other light has been shed? And would, would you recommend? That's funny people? that you mentioned that. We were just talking about this the other day with a guy who's starting out. There are three books that... Uh, hands down, if trading were a religion, and I think in a lot of ways uh, it is, um, these books would cross over. The number one gospel would be The Gospel of Trading in the Zone by Mark Douglas. Uh, so Mark Douglas, trading psychologist to the stars. And if you're listening to this, Mark, hey, big fan. Mark basically starts, he's like Tony Robbins, where he kind of peers into your soul. And in the first chapter, he says, listen, you suck at this. If you're reading this book, you're really bad, but there's a reason you're bad. And it comes from, like you said, your personality. And it frames everything statistically. And he says, in essence, look, in any given set, there's a random distribution of outcome of winners and losers. And it's taking advantage of an edge and exploiting it over time. So he says in that book, essentially, to paraphrase it, we need to replace pain and pleasure, the pain of a gain and the loss of a loss of a trade, the, the pain of a loss of a trade and the pleasure of a winning trade, with the pleasure of a perfect execution of a trade and the pain of an imperfectly placed trade or a, a rogue trade that's not on your trading plan. And I know traders that read that book once a quarter that are, you know, they're, they're averaging 100 to 200 grand a year. And they just read it to remind themselves, if I go off the reservation, if I begin to feel really good when a trade is winning and really bad when I'm losing and not have those realistic expectations, I'm one bad decision away from a Gambler's Anonymous meeting in the city. Number two, the, one of the books that really set me forward in motion, uh, and there's two of them, it's called The New Market Wizards by Jack Schwager. And Jack, if you're listening, big fan. Definitely. Um, we we had Jack uh, to do a podcast and we talked, we talked about that book. We broke it down. And uh, if you get a chance, check it out. I would, I would pay a hundred dollars to have lunch with him right now. <laughs> He's here's, here's what he did for me. When I read his book, it was like meeting someone who was just like me who wanted to understand how this clock ticked. And his approach was the same as mine. I'm going to meet as many people who are successful doing this as I can and pick the best parts of that and apply it to myself. I remember one of the books where he wrote about a trader that he was very Zen. And this guy described a moment where he felt like he was free flow, kind of like surfing. And I thought, wow, okay. So obviously mental uh, aspects are important sure. to this. Um, he, he talked about another trader who envisioned what if every investment at my firm had the worst possible scenario. Every day on the way to work, he thought, what if 
what if everything was a stop loss limit? What if the market was halted? What would I do when those things happen? And he visualized the worst possible scenario and how he would react before those things happened. He had already experienced every day all of his trades being horrible. And so he already knew what he would do before they happened. And Schwager really, when you read through both of those books, it gives you a concentrated viewpoint of probably a, a conglomerate of 200 years of trading experience in two books where you can kind of pick and glean. I'm like this guy. I'm not like that guy. I like what he said. And I like Schwager's admission at the end. You know, after all of this, I don't like the energy of what they do. I like the puzzle of it. I like looking at it and poking at it, and I'm going to get more into auto strategies. And so Schwager was the first person who kind of gave me permission to be what I wanted to be relative to the markets. And for me, that was building tools. That's where I derived my energy from. I didn't you know, get the same thrill out of it as a guy yeah. in Chicago with five PC towers and 35 monitors, and he's in six markets at the same time. That's not where I got my joy from. So Schwager helped me understand everybody has a piece and a part to play in that community, and it's important to find where yours is. I can't agree with you more on what Schwager wrote and how he brought all these wizards in in his realm. You know, it's like the Knights of the Round Table, and put it into perspective. <laughs> And you mentioned the word puzzle, which I think hit the nail right on the head. This is a huge puzzle to figure out that really has no answer. It's completely infinite. There's, there are no, of the 10 years that I've been doing this, Ed, there are no two people trading the same system. Everyone is doing it a different way. And that's, that's mind boggling if you think about it. Sure. It's, you know, hey, let's all meet at the ballpark. All right. One directive. But everybody's coming from different places. We will arrive at the same place, but exactly. there's just so many different directions uh, that people are traveling from. And that's part of it. The puzzle. There is no solution. It's just a matter of keeping up with the puzzle. I absolutely agree about the puzzle. And um, it's it's funny that you mentioned that because the third book actually tries to understand the puzzle mathematically. It's called The Trading Game, The Trading Game by Ryan Jones. And Jones looks at it through the viewport of money management. In the end, after 10 years, I really think that's the holy grail. Money management in terms of how do I know when to increase my lot size? How do I know when to decrease my lot size or go to SIM? How do I know when to do all of those things mechanically according to a plan? Jones was the first person that I'd read who talked about this idea of stopping live trading and shifting into neutral or shifting into sim mode, continuing to execute and tracking those results, but understanding when the conditions that are favorable for your trading model are gone. And a lot of the new traders and, and myself included, we come in with this void, this we, we get on the airplane, Ed, and we're not sure if there's a parachute. And so you're never really trading the way you should because if the plane starts to crash, what's going to happen? And so Jones comes along with this mathematical parachute and he says, listen, there will be points where your model goes to hell in a handbasket. 9-11, great example, right? Anytime uh, there's some kind of war outbreak in the Middle East, there are things that are going to happen where your trend trading model falls apart. 
or your counter trend model falls apart or your support and resistance model falls apart. Again, like that trader in the new market wizards, knowing what you'll do when that happens takes away the stress. Oh, okay. So if I hit this much of a drawdown, I'm going to be in SIM for a day. I'm going to be in SIM until this moving average crosses my equity curve. And so he gives people permission to come to the market and trade knowing worst case scenario for three hours today, I'm going to be trading in SIM until this condition occurs and now I can put live money back in there again. And so when you know that the plane's only flying five feet off the ground, worst case scenario, you push me out the door, I get some cuts and bruises versus how high are we? Are we going to die every day? Jones frames that last important piece of the puzzle. It's an impossibly boring read. There's one chapter out of the whole book. Uh, it's called Trading the Equity Moving Average. And this crossover technique that he taught is really helping a lot of uh, our customers get past that hurdle. So those three books, I think, they need to be a must read for anyone who's trying to do this. Those are great shares. You know, those three books are, those are in my library. You do need to check these out. Now, Michael, traders, educators, was there any of those that made a difference for your vision of successful trading? Now, if so, uh, who are they and why? Uh, whew. There's so many people. I enjoy meeting people. I enjoy listening to their stories, understanding what they do and how they do it, what techniques and methods they're using. Lately, there's one customer who inspires me. Again, I said I, I derive a lot of my energy. I really enjoy tool building. I enjoy making something that gives somebody an edge and then kind of watching them take that hammer and build a house with it, right? So there's one customer. He's really successful in his former life. He comes to all the webinars. He comes to all the training sessions. He's got the, the prerequisite software. Uh, his name is Steve Maxim. He's one of these guys that you know, put it all together and listened to everything very carefully. It's sort of like when you get older and your kids repeat something you told them when they were younger and you didn't think they were listening. Steve's right. that guy. And it's actually very encouraging to me because he's probably one of the reasons uh, I've gotten to know Top Step so well because he uses Top Step as part of his trading plan for success. And we can talk more about that later. Steve sort of encourages me and he's out there on that front line with real money. He's putting all of those things that I taught from those books. Okay, make sure you pay attention to this, pay attention to that. Don't do this, don't do that. Remember, all these guys said this, said that. He's one of the guys that just listened. It's very rare to come across somebody who takes what you've said to heart and takes the lessons that you've been able to consolidate from other people and move forward. So he really inspires me. You know, you, you, you sort of brought it back uh I wanted to ask you how you heard of Top Step Trader. And and you mentioned something about a customer. Was this the same customer? Same guy. Tell me about this and uh, if you can't explain it. So Steve was definitely one of two customers that I heard about Top Step through. And Steve was using Top Step Trader the way the Army would have kind of a ranger training school. It was this idea of if you think you're a good soldier, come here and prove it. And so Steve basically said, well, if I've got all my ducks in a row, then I should be able to qualify for a combine. And what's a combine? Well, you got to do this and this and this and this and this, and then you got to do it all over again just in case it was a fluke. 
And so we go all the way back to that trading in the zone Jack Schwager moment where don't risk your live account until you've proven to yourself that you're not an idiot anymore, that you've sort of got those demons in a coffee can and you can actually execute perfectly and follow your money management rules and all those things we've been talking about, right? And then I heard from uh, another pro customer and this guy was using our tools and he was getting into a new market. He wanted to start trading crude futures. And he had traditionally traded the mini Dow and the mini S&P. And so he purchased a combine and he said, I want to test my system and verify that I can get through and get funded before I trade my live account. So here was two instances of guys, they, they used it as sort of this army ranger school to prove, am I as good as I think I am before I risk a single dollar in there? And they saw that investment. Um, as nominal. It wasn't anything close to what they could lose if they were fooling themselves or blowing smoke up their own butts. It's something now that I actually preach to anyone who's trying to do this. If you think you can do it, then do it in a combine before you risk that money in the freezer you and I were talking about earlier. Gan has this great quote. He said, the more time you put into gaining knowledge, the more money you will make later. Knowledge is not enough. You must put into use what you learn in order to benefit. You learn by doing. And so what I learned from these customers is that when you purchase the combine, you've got skin in the game. Automatically now, it's not a SIM account. There's consequence to it. There's a dollar transaction that's taken place. And so when you're actually doing the trading and there's something at risk, now it's real. Mm -hmm. But in the doing of it, you're learning. You're learning things about your system, nuances about your model. You might see, wow, my risk profile is way too large or I'm, there were a hundred good signals and I only took two of them because I'm too cautious. It's a proving ground. So basically, learn how to fly before you fly and make sure you know that you've learned how to fly. Um, Michael, now co-founder of backtothefuturetrading.com. Where'd you come up with the name? So our software worked in a really unique way that was hard to describe to somebody. I like to tell stories. I like to take things that are complex and help people that maybe don't understand. But I couldn't explain how our software worked in a way people understood. And when I had the idea for the name, I realized it was just like the movie. Uh, our software goes back into the past. You know, it's not a DeLorean, but it's conceptually the same. It looks for historical repetitions in time where moves have occurred and then brings that information forward into the future. And I, I looked at my wife and I said, you know, you go back to the future. And the very back first the iteration future. of our software was called the Flux because, you know, the Flux makes time travel possible. Certainly. So when explaining it to people for the first time, if I use that image, they got it. And they kind of bought into the concept. So, you know, our industry, since it's electronic, we're trapped in these rooms by ourselves. It's very lonely. And so we have a motto here. If it's not fun and you're not having fun doing it, what's the point? So we That's like to point. give our yeah. products names that make people laugh or, you know, generate some interest or some nostalgia. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Okay, we've got back to the future trading.com. How else can we contact you online? I have two ways to get in touch with me. You can email me. Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, at backtothefuturetrading.com. Uh, I'm also available on Skype, Integra, I-N-T-E-G-R-A-Michael. 
those are usually the best ways to reach me. And I'm up probably uh, 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern time if anybody wanted to get in touch. Michael, I just want to say once again here, thanks for being with us. Take care. We'll be talking very soon. Thanks, Ed. It's been a great privilege. I appreciate the opportunity. Take care. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. And we're back. Danny, honestly. Now, wasn't that an educational and fun interview? Eddie, that was a great interview. And as you mentioned, really well-studied student of these markets, great educator, and he really dove deep into the education side of things, which is so important. Yeah, you know, and, and we talk about commitment. Michael totally committed uh, to making sure he is well-studied and shares with his traders. I really like this total honesty in whether somebody can follow guidelines to be a successful trader or not. Asking and putting it on the line, you know, is this really for you? And I thought that uh, that honesty was something that would benefit each and every one of us. Now, that's a question we all need to ask ourselves. I couldn't agree more. And one thing he stresses is how important survival in this industry is, yeah. understanding the risk. I really want to touch on that trade that we mentioned in the beginning after listening to his, his story around the, the trade that he lost almost everything with his partner. Right. He was very quick to say we were at our limit, but we continued to scale in as we were going down. And that's a lesson that so many traders experience and for him to be able to overcome that be honest going back to that word honesty he goes right. back to being honest with himself and saying there's a point when i can sit here and say i can't handle this loss that's our point where we have to say okay now i have to accept this loss acceptance of losses is so important he committed to the discipline and the patience and educating himself towards the end, and that's what created a great, successful trader and educator. All right. Cool, cool. Well, I'm glad uh, you could join me here today and, and check out this podcast. Now, for those listening, uh, if you like this one, rewind and listen to it again. Great information, great knowledge, and uh, a great guy, John Lighting. Danny, thanks so much for joining me here today. All right, traders, as always, thank you for spending time with us. And if you enjoyed this interview, please feel free to leave us a rating or review. Remember, it helps us reach new traders. So, Danny, once again, thanks a lot. Eddie, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. All right, we'll see you next time. Take care. Editing and post-production of this episode was done by Dante32. Futures and Forex trading contains substantial risk and is not for every investor. An investor could potentially lose all or more than their initial investment. Risk capital is money that can be lost without jeopardizing one's financial security or lifestyle. Only risk capital should be used for trading, and only those with sufficient risk capital should consider trading. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results.